Hi. This is going to be a bonus episode. Um, Patreon subscribers are going to get a uh, window to listen to it. Um, a lengthier window than our usual episodes. Um, yeah. Our, our usual episodes are going to have, what, two days? Uh, two, three day window. Uh, this one we're going to give a lengthier window on because we really do want to give you all some extra content. We feel like if you're putting your money forward, we want to give you something worth it. And, uh, yeah. Boy, we're, we're, we're starting off with a topic that's going to probably... Well, it's going to be worth your while, let's just say. Uh, this is kind of a sequel episode, frankly. After Roger Ebert uh, died, we did an episode on critics, you know, among other things. It was uh, a hybrid of Jurassic Park and critics in 3D. And we, we kind of blended a little bit of that. And uh, we're going to come back around to the state of film criticism today in this episode. Um... This isn't a very happy cast, I'm going to be kind of honest. I'm not really in a very good place right now on film criticism, and I kind of want to talk about why. Yeah, and uh, just to be clear, this kind of explains our recent, our nostalgia column we're doing right now. It's a fight back against all this shit. Yeah, we're, we're kind of looking at the state of criticism today, and looking at some of the issues with it, and one of the big issues that I have is... You're seeing two kinds of things uh, starting up. You're starting to see, like, overt nostalgia about everything. Like, I'll tell you this. Of all the episodes that we've ever done, none have gotten me the angry response that I get when I tell people that we talked about Space Jam. <laughs> like, I've noticed. Yeah. That one really hurts people. I recently saw a friend who said, yep, yeah, watching the best movie ever. And they took a picture of their TV and it was playing Space Jam. It's like, I I didn't want to say anything. I understand you have nostalgia, but yeah, that's a terrible movie. It is. It's awful. So, I mean, you can, so that's kind of partially why we're doing that column. It's to step back and go, okay, not every movie deserves the nostalgia it gets. Although, naturally, on our first column that we did, we started out with uh, one of my favorite movies of all time, Apollo 13. So, go figure. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. But we're also going to really, and this is, this is, I think, the big reason that I wanted to do this, this episode, is we're going to look at the video critics. We're going to look at the, the nostalgia critic. We're going to look at all of these accentuate the negative critics. Mm-hmm. And we're going to examine why we think that there's something wrong um, with the state of film criticism today. Because there is. Big time. Everyone's just so cynical. We're doing this at a moment when uh, last week, uh, a week before we recorded this, the Dissolve.com failed. Well, failed, I guess, isn't the right word. They closed. I mean, so they failed them. They're gone. They dissolved. They dissolved. We don't celebrate this. We do not celebrate this one bit. I was a regular visitor of the site. I visited them daily. I was a fan. We want to look at the state of film criticism today. We want to examine why is it what it is. We're going to look at the people who are doing video analyses and all that, and I just, I have such frustration today. I'm going to be honest. I know this might not sound like the clearest thesis, and this may not be the clearest episode, so to speak, but we're examining criticism as an art, and that's going to be tricky. So, I guess, uh, shall we start by poking the hornet's nest, because we're going to get some angry reaction to this. Yeah, let's, let's poke it, Channel Awesome. Yeah, channel not so awesome right now. Guys, let's start off by making something clear. People are probably going to be able to go back through our earlier episodes and find references to to other epi- to episodes that Doug Walker did. 
We've done references to the Nostalgia Critic. We've even linked to some of his episodes. So before everybody gets out their pitchforks and says, you hypocrites, let's start by explaining something. We used to be pretty big fans. We were fans. We were big fans. We were daily. I was a daily visitor to the site. I, 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 I visited it nonstop. Um, I was a big fan of what Doug Walker did in the early stages of things. In part because I really did feel like his mission was a good one. It was a good idea to poke fun. We live in an era where, okay, currently there's there was a song by Owl City that I heard the other day that was nothing more than listing nostalgic things from the 90s. And then I was in the gas station today and I heard a country song that did the same about late 70s stuff. We are a nostalgia-drenched culture. I think the initial idea that Walker had of poking fun at this stuff was a good idea. But here's the problem that Walker had, and it wasn't clear in the early going, but it became extremely clear later on. Walker didn't put his real opinions in these things. He did it under the guise of a character, and he's even admitted that he doesn't feel the way that he feels about some of these things. He's done videos in which he actually gives his genuine thoughts. Uh, there are a couple of exceptions. He's made it clear that Garbage Pail Kids, the movie, is every bit as bad as he thinks it is in the video. And I've never seen any evidence to dispute that. I haven't talked to a single person who thinks it's a hidden gem. But I've talked to a lot of people who thought it was uh, absolute uh, trash. So yeah, fitting. Walker, his early reviews are still very good. I'm not going to say that they've been diluted because of this. His early run was good because he, because he was roasting some stuff. And he was getting people to look at some of this stuff. So, in the early days, I don't really have so much of an issue with Walker as much then. I, I, I thought his early stuff was strong, I, I, and I still think some of it is. Um, especially when he was going after some more obscure targets. I still feel like there's a lot that he left on the ground. Um, but the guy did do a review of Blank Check, so I'm going to give him that credit. Uh, Blank Check is probably the most deserving of any 90s Disney live-action movie of getting that treatment, by the way. Yeah, it's it's crap. It, it is crap, and uh, it's a well... He did a good job on the review, and I suspect his thoughts probably aren't all that different in real life. He did a number of reviews that I really did like. He clearly did have some things he was a fan of. I, I thought some of his reviews of direct-to-video animated sequels were great. I think we needed those. What I'm trying to say is Walker did his best work when he was working with the obscure. Because I think it's the obscure that really deserves it. And to some degree, yeah, you do have projects like Space Jam that were big enough to deserve it. But, I mean, I don't know. I mean, his review of Batman and Robin was just the easiest review possible. But the thing about Batman and Robin is it's so hard to really give that one. At this point, everything's been said. You know, but I, I, I liked a number of his early reviews. He did A Kid in King Arthur's Court. That was one that I was really excited he did, because that's a movie that I, I don't particularly like. That may have even been the first review of his that I watched. Yeah, part of the joy of watching his, um, his nostalgic reviews is uh, these were movies that you may have loved as a kid or seen as a kid and not seen for a while and it's fun to watch him revisit it and say yeah this was kind of a piece of crap that was the entire fun like even if you've never seen the movie before it still you know reeks of that same feeling i mean it was good it was good to see him take on these things um these were movies that deserved it frankly 
I, I, I liked his early stuff, and I, and I thought he was doing strong. Uh, I thought his room review was superb. I thought he did a great job on that. I still think his commercial specials are hilarious. Uh, yeah. I mean, let me make this clear. No matter how embittered I am with what the guy's site has become, I'm not going to n- not revisit the things that I enjoyed. I, if he does another commercial special, I'll still watch that episode. You know, I'm not an all-or-nothing person, and I want us to underline that fact because we're going to come back to that in time. But, you know, I, he did things like that that were good. Um, but here's the problem that we have to address. We have to address the big elephant in the room with Doug Walker. And that is what happened in late 2012. After uh, one of his movies, Walker quote-unquote retired, uh, the nostalgia critic, and went on to start a new series, uh, Demo Reel. Have you ever seen an episode of it? I haven't. I haven't either because there was no ad because there was no hype for it at all on his site. Um, he did an absolutely dreadful job of promoting it. Was that going to be a channel awesome thing, or is that to leave the site altogether? I think he it was going to be well, it was going to be a channel awesome thing. I'm almost certain, but he put a lot of money into sets into hiring a cast, into... Because, I mean, previously he'd more or less shot it, I think, at his house. Like, Mm. I I think that was pretty much what he'd done, was he pretty much shot it at his house. Um, Which is really all that something like the Nostalgia Critic needs. Um, After all, you and I, we shoot our... I mean, we record our stuff at at our houses. I mean, most video critics do. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's... This is like... Yeah. (laughs) This is not that expensive of a hobby. <laughs> no. Uh, Brad Jones, who um, I have a lot of thoughts on. I'm going to get back to those in time. Uh, records his midnight screening videos in a car with someone holding a handheld camera. The production values are tiny. And Walker sank all this money into a studio, into sets, into hiring a cast for a show that absolutely flopped and nobody watched. Um, as I said... They did a terrible job of promoting it. I'm putting this one on them. Yeah. People probably would have followed him. I, I think if it had been given any... Although I've heard it's awful. I've heard that Demo Reel was awful. Walker, this happened. And the show flopped badly. This was where Walker could have done one of two things. I think he could have uh, done the Bill Watterson thing and said, You know what? I really am done. I don't care about the money. I'm going to move on and do something else which Bill Watterson did 20 years ago and has never, never looked back. He showed, he's recently showed up a couple times, but, you know, that's just kind of an encore. Hey, hey guys. It's kind of a thank you for still caring. Yeah, um, yeah, that's entirely what it is. I highly recommend the recent book that came out with the interview with him because he seems like a man who's genuinely grateful for his fans. He knows that he doesn't still need to have he knows that in all likelihood this comic would have disappeared if not for the fans, and he is grateful for the fact that his magnum opus has been this well received. I mean, yeah, God knows, I there's nothing on earth I love as much as Calvin and Hobbes. There's just not. Note this applies to media, wives, any wives who are listening. Um, no, you know you're you know you're the real important thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but um, God. Walker, he could have easily walked away, or he could re- or he could uh, accept the fact that he'd sunk so much money into uh, these sets 
and decide to go on ahead and bring the nostalgia critic back, but instead decide to start reviewing new movies. Instead, to start decide to start doing, you know, current releases. And that's what he's done. Yeah, one of the things in that uh, comeback episode they did was, uh, you know, lift the, what was it, 2003 ban? Mm-hmm. Is like anything before 2003? I think it was 2000 was what he set his ban on. Although he, I think, was at times willing to kind of waver on it. But yeah, I think 2003, you're right, I think it was 2003 was the ban. Yeah. For the most part, he did okay on that. Like, he, uh, one of his first ones was Son of the Mask. Yeah, which is fine. And, uh... The Cat in the Hat deserved it. Yeah, Last Airbender, which was also fine, because... That had been out a few years before. And he really loved uh he really loved the show and clearly talked about it with the expertise he had. Yeah, this is true. Yeah, his fans had urged him. You know, he's currently watching Steven Universe, which is nice. Um uh, I do actually kinda wanna see what he has to say on that. Uh, again, we're not all or nothing people. But yeah, his more recent ones have been very disappointing. He did uh, Jupiter Ascending, which I will say right now is a future film room episode. I'm going to demand that we do that movie in the future. Yeah, when it has been out for a while. When it has been out for a while. We, 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 well, we don't even have to do that. We don't remember you and I don't have that uh, rule. That's right. We don't have that restriction. Uh, it's self-imposed, but we really don't have that. Yeah. And I'll be honest, I didn't make it more than a minute into his uh, Jupiter Ascending review before the transphobic joke came up. Yeah. It was one of those things with Lana Wachowski. It's one of those things. Don't do it. Don't, don't make the joke, you know? I'm sorry. Putting a, putting a disclaimer afterward does not excuse it. No, don't, don't make the joke. If you, if, if you have to say anything, don't say anything. Just don't. This didn't have to be brought up. It has no bearing on the actual film. It's like, if you have a problem with it, this is not the forum. No. You know? Maybe it would be worth referencing in regards to Sense8, which also has a transgender uh, character in this, uh, very centrally on the show, who, nice. I should note, by the way, is played by an actual trans woman. Nice. Who does a phenomenal job. It's, it's yeah, that's, that's quite good. But again, we're getting off track. Walker, he's been, he's done Jurassic World, which I haven't even had a chance to see. He's just yeah. he's 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 gone after easy target after easy target after easy target. I'm not I'm not okay with this. Is what it comes down to. And just to be clear, uh, yeah, Last Airbender is an easy target, one that we have done. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but, there's there's a difference between easy and vital targets. Yeah. But like Jurassic World. Time still has yet to judge that. Uh-huh. I think it's great. You know, I don't think it'll be looked upon as a bad movie. But it's like, you know, give it some space. Give it some space for, like, opinion to settle before you pick on it. I mean... And that's and that's the thing. He He's not doing that. He's not... His reviews are trying to be... You know, they're they're trying to be making all these jokes before you really have a chance to even think about it. Right. I often don't review movies until I've had at least a couple of weeks to think about them. Because there's a lot of reviews that I write in the heat of the moment that I double back on and don't agree with as much. Um, yeah. I have a number of reviews that I was either too harsh or too positive on. 
I've admitted publicly, for example, that I kind of feel like I was a little too hard on Howard the Duck in uh, our cast that we did. Yeah. Just because I've changed my opinion of it just by thinking about it. And, you know, I still stand by most of what I said on it. Believe me, I'm not letting the film off the hook for a lot of the things that it did wrong. And I still think it's a tremendous mismatch of tones. But it has some good moments. And I, I feel like I celebrate those moments. And I more celebrate the fact that we even have a Howard the Duck movie. Mm-hmm. It's like, we don't have to have this, you know? Yeah. But, but I mean, that's just it. Opinions change. Every critic will tell you that. Their opinions shift. To invoke Ebert, he's admitted that his opinions have shifted over movies. There were a couple of movies that he gave three-star reviews to upon release, uh, Groundhog Day and, uh, what was it, uh, Groundhog Day and The Big Lebowski, that he moved into the great movies column. Because yeah. time cemented them as such. I'll tell you this, if it wasn't for the fact that the uh, best picture winner of 1993 was Schindler's List... I think a lot of people might be thinking of Groundhog Day as the best film of that year, and I think a number do. Hmm. By the way, have you rewatched that recently? Schindler's List? No, no. Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day. Um, not too recent. I have seen it a number of times, though. I, I rewatched it within the last six months, and it is every bit as good as it's talked about in the culture. It really is a tremendous yeah. film. It's it's really a, a, a powerful achievement in terms of what it says about grief. I mean. The film is intended as an allegory for the uh, Kubler-Ross scale of uh, grieving. The five steps. Mm. Um, wow. And it's, you can see it. When you know that that's what the film's about, you see it. Um, but that's just it. Opinions shift. And so to do an, a review on Jurassic World when it's still out in theaters, and at the time that he was reviewing it was still the number one film in the country. Give it some room to breathe. And that brings me to my central problem with what Doug Walker has been doing of late. Has which has been simple, good old-fashioned hit count. Should we talk too much about what we've uh, what we've discovered in our investigations about uh, Walker's site? Yeah. Why deny them the joy? Um, this has also been our our negative model on our uh, current venture that you're listening to this through. Yeah. For those who are unaware, um, things aren't kosher behind the scenes at Channel Awesome. I'm going to say that one of my key sources on this is one that I don't fully trust. I don't know that I completely trust everything that this guy said, but I think that a number of what he said is, a number of things he said are undeniably true. Um, Doug Walker, his brother Rob, and uh, Mike Nashad, the uh, CEO of the site, uh, did a an Indiegogo fundraiser a couple years ago to try and get a game show going. To date, I think they've only released five episodes. They also promised, if they hit their stretch goals, that they would do 40 episodes of a comic show, and I think 40 episodes of a video game show. They hit those goals. I There isn't even a whiff of those. Yeah. Oh, that's that's not good. I, I don't feel like the, I don't feel like they ran. Uh, their goal, their rewards on the Indiegogo thing were pretty poor, for the record. Uh, they were very self-serving. They were, um, uh, because this guy was a, because the source that I'm citing was a guy that was with the site, he pointed out that he could tell people that the tra- that like the ads that they were buying that they thought were so valuable as rewards would not get them any traffic. He was able to point out specifically that he knew from experience that people were buying things that were worthless. And I understand that you want to give you want to give to support something that you like. Hint, hint. Um, but uh, no, 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 no. That's a joke at y'all because you're already doing it. But 
there's no getting around it. Walker was not, he wasn't running things ethically. Uh, there are, there is suspicion that the campaign may have been a front to try and keep the lights on at the site. It's known that traffic is down. Traffic is down badly at the site. It doesn't help that uh, people who have left the site are speaking out on their experiences. I think, I forgot who it was or whether they got fired from the site, but they were talking. That was uh, Allison Pregler, a.k.a. Uh, Obscurus Lupa, who's, right. whose videos I absolutely love, by the way. We're going to link to her work because she's awesome. Yeah. I th- I'm not sure it was her uh, specifically, but it was somebody who had done effects, like the effects for uh, To Boldly Flee. Oh, that was uh, Phelous. Uh, that was uh, Phelan, yeah, Por- yeah, yeah, Phelan yeah. Porteus, who at least uh, at one point, and may, may still very, like, very likely still is, uh, her boyfriend. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, who, by the way, let's, let, uh, since, since their site is hel- held on one site... We're going to link to that site because his videos are awesome, too. I, I I love his stuff. Yes, we will do that. But, yeah, he had said something about, um, you know, there was an effect that uh, he submitted for that, that uh, Doug, he, uh, he responded back in all caps saying, Love it, 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 blah, blah, blah. Only to find out that behind the scenes, they were saying yeah these effects are crap you know redo them it's like okay that's not cool no that's not by the way a lot of this work was unpaid let's stress that yeah yeah uh, we're gonna link to their we're gonna link to their comments too because i i would rather cite them uh what uh, pregler went through was absolutely nightmarish and i feel for her um she has always come off as the sweetest nicest of people on the internet and she got she got abused thoroughly. These are stories that we can confirm. Like of these stories, we're only going to tell the stories that we can confirm hard. Oh yeah, there are unconfirmed stories that are out there. That's all that I'm going to say. Um, but you've had a mass exodus in recent months from the site. Lindsay Ellis left and has gone on to do some awesome stuff elsewhere. Um, I, I I continue to love her stuff. I continue to think she just does a wonderful job, and she's. Just, she advocates for the right causes. Uh, she is hardcore not okay with anti-vaxxers and hardcore not okay with 9-11 conspiracy theorists. And uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I like her feed. I, I follow her on Twitter and uh, she's awesome. So I, you know, but she's left. Kyle Calgren left because um, his reviews never really fit in with them because he actually looked at art films and he talked about art cinema. And it wasn't in a mocking, oh, this is stupid, I don't understand this. No, he talked about it in a way that made it clear that he was a true fan and he really wanted to point people in this direction. He wanted to get people to watch stuff. Like, for example, he is, an, he is a massive Shakespeare junkie. It does a month every year of Shakespeare uh, episodes. And makes it clear that he really loves the Bard. Um, which... I'm down with. I'm. I. I'm not going to go against anybody who's a Shakespeare fan. Uh, God knows I'm one too. Uh, so, you know, he left. Uh, as I said, um, Pregler was fired. Porteus followed. It's widely felt that a number of people will probably leave when their contracts are up. There is a big unconfirmed one that, like, I can't get reliable sourcing on this, so I'm not going to name it. But there's a big one that wants out. Hmm. And could go if they if it could go, 
and uh, easily support their own empire if they wanted to. So there, there's definitely an undeniable sense that, that there's a state of something wrong there. And more to the point, I think that, this, that all of this has kind of served to catalyze something for me, which is I'm sick of this style of reviewing. That's kind of what it ultimately comes down to is I am, I've gotten to a point for which I'm kind of sick of this style of reviewing. You can only handle so much cynicism before it just eats away at your soul. I talked with video critic and uh, supporter of the site in one of his episodes, uh, Alex Jowski, about this on Twitter once, uh, and he agreed. And he agreed it's, it's moved past it. We've moved past that point in these video reviews, that this style of the screaming accentuate the negative. I'm going to call it the angry video game nerd style, but the thing about it is, I don't actually want to attack James Rolfe for that. Because Rolfe makes it extremely clear he's a character. He makes it extremely clear that he's a character. And, frankly, bad video games kind of deserve it. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, but, the thing, but here's the thing. Guys like Rolfe have led to so many critics following in, their foot, in, in Walker's footsteps. You know, guys like Rolfe and Walker have inspired so many imitators. And that's kind of the problem that I see, is so many people have taken that template of a guy stares at the camera and screams about what he doesn't like. It's a template that you see over and over again. You see these profanity-laden videos in which people scream and yell about, oh, this is the worst piece. It is the most hyperbolic garbage hearing these people do it. Um, I very rarely find someone who's doing serious analysis anymore. And there are a few critics, of course, that still do that. I, I continue to feel like Matthew Buck does film criticism a real benefit. Um, it's funny. He, ca- he calls his um, main reviews uh, the Bad Movie Beatdown series. But the truth is, he does very thorough analyses of these films. And he even talks about things he likes in them. I mean, he still definitely does the, you know, he still definitely amplifies the voice. But it's toned down a good deal from his first reviews. And it's also, it's also not a character, it's him. No, I really do believe that when he's saying what he's saying, in fact, I follow him on Twitter, and he's made it very clear uh, in his off-the-record stuff that some of these movies he hates even more than he lets on in the reviews, which really says something. Uh, like, yeah. he makes it very clear what he truly thinks. Uh, like, when he did his review of A Good Day to Die Hard... He even stepped in and did something that a lot of people have not done, which is said, look, he liked the fourth Die Hard movie. He didn't, you know, and he's talked about the ones that, and made it very clear how much he truly loves the Die Hard films, and that that's why this one made him angry. Hmm. And believe me, I've seen a lot of serious critics say even worse things about the film than even he did, so. And, like, he took the time to go through and say, okay, here's what's different in the director's cut versus the theatrical cut. Mm Mm-hmm. And explain the differences. In other words, when it's done with it, when I'm done watching one of his reviews, I've actually learned something. Yeah. And in his projector series, he talks about movies that he absolutely despised. And I'll tell you, some of those can be even funnier than the bad movie beatdowns. Truthfully, uh, bad British cinema is kind of hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he'll, he'll go from movies that he absolutely despised to movies that he really loved. Um, his review of Paddington was the first time. That I was really certain that, oh, okay, this is going to be something really wonderful. And indeed, Paddington is great. Uh, it was. It, it, it's, oh, that is such, that is so exactly the movie those books deserved. But, you know, he, he's a good critic. I, I like him. I, I like, 
I, I still like Brad Jones. Okay, he makes it extremely clear that the cinema snob is a character. He's even given him a separate identity, like a separate name as a character. And he makes it clear that's not him. And he uses it as a method of criticizing critics. Of late, he's been going after a lot of the films that won Razzies in their years and pointed out what's wrong with the Razzies, pointed out what's wrong with groupthink and critics. Um, he, did, he, he recently did a lengthy review of Heaven's Gate, a film that, uh, when he's not in character, he's made it extremely clear he really thinks is very good. Um, and, again, he's another one that I follow on Twitter. So I'm not saying that all video critics are bad, but so many of them are following in that style and... I'm just sick of the accentuate the negative. That's really what it comes down to. And to note that uh, I think the only real reason that Heaven's Gate was such a flop was that it was very ex- recklessly expensive. I've read a book on the making of it. You are correct. Yeah. So I think, I don't know the specifics, but I, yeah, I know that much. And I think that probably contributed a lot to it being a flop. It was also whittled down to nothing in the theatrical cut. I mean, at least half the movie was cut out for the theatrical cut. Not to harp on this point, but I mean, that is that is the film that's responsible for this, like, because after the uh, the studio system broke down and all these directors stepped in, that's, and that's why you have all these, you know... That's what's... P- that's what's pointed to as the reason for the death of that. I don't agree completely. Yeah. As somebody who's a historian of film, I don't agree that Heaven's Gate specifically is the reason. It was part of it. It's part of it. Oh, it's definitely it's definitely the big bomb that marked the definitive death knell of it. Right. But I don't think it's exactly the reason that that system fell apart. What happened was a lot of those directors... Uh, Francis Ford Coppola did pretty much everything he could to run his reputation into the ground in the uh, early 80s. Yeah. He, he did what he could to kind of help break it. A lot of the auteurs of the 70s couldn't go on. They couldn't adapt to the modern world. As things as the system changed, they didn't turn out to have as many ideas as people thought they did. And that happens. But it's worth noting, it's not like all of the directors of the 70s, uh, all of the like wild auteurs of that era, it's not like all of them collapsed. Um, no, we still have... Uh... Scorsese and Spielberg and well of course Spielberg is always pointed to as one of the people that uh destroyed the system that destroyed these um all I'm gonna say is watch Munich and then please shut up no no Spielberg does not get that mark from me um I no I, I don't agree at all that that uh you know that I feel like there's a certain amount of warm fuzziness about the 70s that like people pretend that it was an era that it really kind of wasn't uh, if you actually look at the box office numbers through the 60s and the 70s, the movies that were the big hits were not exactly the smartest of the smart. So hmm. let's just yeah. let's just destroy that myth that Star Wars and Jaws ruined everything. <laughs> no, uh, if you if you truly think that, then again, I recommend you read up the history on the history of the Roadshow musical. Show musical. Like musicals that were like they would go in and have these big expensive bookings in cities. Mm. Oh no, 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 no. The the mythology of New Hollywood is garbage. Yeah. Ugh, I hate I hate Peter Biskind's books so much. To me, that was kinda of like one of my d- defining moments as a film student was when I realized, oh, oh, these books are full of 
They're they're full of horse shit. That's what they are. They're full of whiny horse shit. Um, as I said, don't tell me that uh, New Hollywood completely failed when Scorsese continues to do everything he's always done at peak form. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm sorry. It's just ridiculous to think that. Um, so, yeah, that's my gripe with that, to say the least. Um, A little bit of film history for you. Mm-hmm. But I just, I don't know. I mean, I'm just sick of this whole accentuate the negative. Yeah, getting to, getting to the little guys that do that, um, I have to get into pony territory here. In the last few years, uh, it's kind of tapered off a bit, but they're, especially, like, season three, My Little Pony, uh, there were a lot of people that just were in uproar about, oh, this is, this has become terrible, blah, 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 when it's, when that actually kind of kicked off the era we have now, which is glorious because it's all more story driven, more. But anyway, so you'd have a lot of like YouTube critics that would just lambast, just pick apart like all the negative stuff that they saw in a children's show, and it was kind of like, dude, just stop, just no, just enjoy it. Like it was, it was seriously hampering. Like I couldn't. I used to watch those. I couldn't continue to watch those anymore if I wanted to continue enjoying the show. So it's like, you know, it can it can ruin shit. It can. It, it can. Because you get to a point where that's all that you're doing is looking for the negative. Um, you're looking for the sins of cinema. Somebody even at one of the panels, at one of the conventions, like it was a, it was a writer's panel. They came up to one of the show writers and... You know, said, oh, yeah, what do you think about this and this on this show? It's, and how crap it is and blah, blah, blah. And then his response was perfect. It was basically, I, I got nothing. I don't know what to say to you. You know, sometimes, you know, if you sit down to, uh, he's laid that out for him. If you sit down to something and expect to hate it, you're going to hate it. That's all I can say. I, I agree completely. Mm-hmm. So really, you should just kind of lighten up, go in with zero expectations, and see where it gets you. But that's what, but that's what these people do. They 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 thrive on pointing out the negative. They thrive on saying, but 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 I, I I'll be honest. I've only watched a tiny bit of Cinema Sins because I just got so angry with it. Yeah, I have no patience for that. I just yeah. I mean that's just it. At the end of the day, it becomes the Cinema Sensation of the of these shows of 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 these things i i can't take it because i don't care about every continuity error i don't care about every gaffe i don't care i care about does the effect work um i'm a huge fan of classic magic and here Mm -hmm. and here's the thing i know that they're lying to me i know that they're taking steps that are overlooking things and you know that if I really looked closely, I'd see the mis- I'd see the little things that give away that I'm not actually seeing what I think I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. I don't want to know everything that's wrong with things that I love. I want to actually experience it. I want to watch it. Mm-hmm. And I, I I mean I know that I know that there are mistakes because art that's how art works. There are going to be mm-hmm. mistakes. There are going to be errors. I don't care. Yeah, absolutely nothing is perfect. The most perfect film in the world still has fucking continuity errors. There are all kinds of mistakes in Casablanca. There are all kinds of mistakes in Star Wars. 
there's a um, uh, I mentioned Steven Universe earlier. That's a show that has like that has a lot of things figured out early. In fact, they foreshadow a lot, which makes rewatching fun because everything changes. But I have a wallpaper on my Windows desktop that has a uh, a retroactive continuity error on that. So it's like even <laughs> even perfect things make mistakes. Mm-hmm. You know. I mean. Okay, it's one thing when you've got, like, a really serious continuity error that's kind of fun to point out. Like, I think we're all, mm-hmm. we've all seen the video, the uh, picture of Light going around that points out that the uh, current Minions movie is uh, technically a giant retcon. But you know what? Yeah. That's fun to look at in a tweet, laugh at it, and then be done and go about your life. That's ten seconds of your life that you need to care about that. Right. Don't don't fucking dwell and waste all of your energy. Don't die on those swords. No. It's not worth it. These are not things that are worth it. But all these accentuating the negatives, it, it you miss the point. You miss the point uh, of cherishing these things that you enjoy. But, but people have come to believe that that's criticism. People have come to believe that that's what writing a review is. And that's what you're starting to see. I mean, I'm starting to see this overwhelming sense of that. The fact that cinema sins and honest trailers get to keep going while the dissolve, which actually wrote on film, has closed, disgusts me. Yeah, there's a word for that. It's called pandering. Pandering. Because that's just it. Uh, if the if the dissolve had focused uh, so much of its energy on trying to do everything wrong with everything that made Jupiter Ascending a stupid movie, they probably could have gotten better hits. Yeah. As I said, I I, I loved The Dissolve. I read them every day. Uh, I thought they had some tremendous analysis, um, in, including a really interesting piece recently on uh, the movie Tangerine, which really made me want to see it. There's interesting analysis out there. and But here's the thing. Again, you don't get the hit counts. Um, every now and then the AV Club will do a good analysis piece. But they don't do it as much as they should. They're kind of a more sarcastic news aggregator and a decent review site. Um, they have a couple of really good features that I really like at the AV Club. Um, and now that Nathan Rabin has returned to them, uh, they've got My World of Flops going again, which is one of the best film... Like, if you're going to look at quote-unquote bad movies, it's one of the best pieces because he really does give these films fair shakes and in a number of cases quite enjoys them and recommends them uh he wrote a very enthusiastic piece on ishtar for example but i just i don't know you've got all this focus on yeah this is this movie's bad and it's people are trying to make it black and white it's all good it's all bad i know you don't necessarily uh care for the plinket reviews i don't but there is one thing i have to credit them with is when when they did the one for titanic they started with all the good stuff Mm -hmm. and that's and that's basically a good portion of their review and then they kind of made fun of themselves but let's move on to the part that everybody wants to hear about how the movie fucking sucks bloody hell and indeed that's 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 really the right approach to take on titanic because there is so very much good there um right you know it's amanda's favorite movie I, I think aside from really laying on the foreshadowing with a trowel, um, I, I really think it's a kind of a. Tr- I, I really think it's an excellent film. I think it's holding up beautifully. I think the special effects are still incredible. Uh, the uh, uh, Kate Winslet is rocky, but um, 
And it's more that she's Rocky in light of what she would become. Short discussion of that film. I think uh, a lot of people don't give it the proper credit for uh, its CG effect. Like the post, uh, post-Jurassic... post Like a lot of people praise Jurassic Park for its great early CG effects and that they hold up. But Titanic, their CG effects are so good that nobody talks about them. I'm telling you, this is this is the true digital versus practical debate. It's not digital versus practical. It's in. It's do you sell the illusion? And if you right, exactly. I mean, keep in mind, there's only like a few shots of actual animals in Life of Pi. Right. Just a couple of quick shots, and that's it. And those animals are on screen for most of the film. So, and it's interesting because the same director that can fail to sell a CGI shot in Hulk can absolutely make you forget you're watching CGI. In Life of Pi. Yeah. Uh, Ang Lee got real good with CGI, is my point. He got real good at figuring out what to do with it. And so, I mean, it really does come down to, in, in the practical versus CGI thing, it comes down to execution. James Cameron knows how to execute. I'm, I'm still a big Cameron fan. Of course, Cameron was also smart enough to know at times when not to use CGI and when not to use effects. For instance, one of the oldest effects in the book is the uh, twin effect, where you like have an uh, use a split screen to have an actor uh, stand beside themselves. He didn't use that in Terminator Two. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime that the T one thousand imitates someone and they're standing like face to face with them, that's an identical twin used. Nice. Yeah, that includes the scene where. Uh, the T-1000 imitates uh, Sarah Connor. Yeah, and of course the uh, the scene where uh, they take his chip out and there's there's a mirror shot. Uh, the one in the foreground is the fake Arnold. It, he, he did a lot of good work there. Um, but yeah, Titanic has tremendous CGI. It's, it, that's a gorgeous looking film that still works so well and still sells you on the illusion of it. So... But yeah, I mean, uh, you're right. I don't like red letter media very much. But it's not so much that I don't like red letter media. I don't really have a gripe with them. And boy, do they make clear that the Plinkett reviews are supposed to be by a character. The problem that I have is that people went and parroted those reviews. They went and kept going with the points that were made with them. And some of those points were good. Some of them were fair. If you want to point out that the characters in the prequels were a little bit thin, I don't mind that. You're not wrong. But but that review made it okay to constantly harp on this. Um, I'm not a fan of the I'm not a fan of Max Landis's entitled spoiled rich boy piece that he did on the death of and return of Superman. I really don't like that piece at all. It's like you know that no comic book fans actually believed Superman was going to stay dead, right? Right. Because that's not how it works in comics. No, it doesn't work that way. For the record, I still think that's an absolutely tremendous story. Uh, I think it's one of the one of the best Superman stories ever. Top three, in my opinion. I still have yet to rag on the movie. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to that, because that's going to actually deserve it. And that's the thing. I'm not against doing all-out negative reviews. We've done them. Oh, yeah. You've heard us. Like, we just recorded one yesterday. Yes, but Sucker Punch deserved it. Mm -hmm. The thing about it is, you've got to be able to say more than just, this sucked. And this was stupid. In the case of, like, I feel like this is kind of the reason, you know what this really is? It's the Seltzerbergization of film criticism. Holy shit, I think you're right. 
Like, that's what it is, is that you're making easy jokes and you're not understanding that some things are supposed to be funny. Um, like, mm-hmm. um, I was reading an interesting comment from uh, Roger Avery, the uh, co-writer of uh, Beowulf, the 2007 film. And he pointed out that it was strange for him to sit and watch the movie in a theater and people were unsure if they were supposed to laugh. Which, by the way, if you, if you haven't seen it, is really good, actually. Oh, yeah, I saw it in 3D. Oh, it looked great, didn't it? Um, oh, yeah. Here's the thing. Avery was sitting there confused because he had always intended, uh, he wrote it, he co-wrote it with Neil Gaiman. They'd always intended it as uh, something you were supposed to laugh at. They'd always intended it as over the top. They'd always intended it to be seen as a bit farcical. And it shows, because if you look at it in that light, it's really effective. It is a comical, campy, over-the-top film that also serves as a violent deconstruction of heroic myths. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, that's 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 a that's a damn good film, and uh, but the problem is it became reduced down to naked guy yelling "I am Beowulf." Yeah, in a disaster movie. <sighs> yeah, yeah, that that was the thing that happened. Yeah, yeah, but I don't I don't know I don't know what to make of that because that was just that was just that was look that was just look <laughs> did not did 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 not did not uh, I don't like that I don't like that that's what it's becoming. That's what so much film criticism is becoming, is it's becoming pointing out all the things and making easy jokes. I mean, I mentioned Jupiter Ascending. I think part of the problem that people have with that movie is I'm not sure that they understand that you're supposed to laugh at it to a great degree. It's intentionally silly and over the top because it's fun that way. I don't for a second believe that the -the over-the-top performances were anything other then the Wachowskis saying, please go for it. We want this to be goofy. We want people to be entertained. Because over-the-top acting is not a bad thing. I want to point this out to people. Yeah. You know, Eddie Redmayne gives a quote-unquote horrible performance in the film. I'm not going to say that it's not a bit of a ridiculous performance. I have to say, there was a uh, thing I saw the other day. It was um, somebody made a series of like actual writing samples of high schoolers where they try to make comparisons and it was it was like stupid stuff like um the lamp just sat there like it's like some inanimate object Uh it's like you know stuff like that and then below in the comments people kind of corrected a lot i think the original intent was look at how stupid these guys are but uh the comments below there are like what are you talking about these are brilliant you say bad writing i say future douglas adams (laughs) That's just it. It's when you're doing something that's a little bit comical. For the love of God, at one point in Jupiter Ascending, there is a sequence that is straight Douglas Adams slash Terry Gilliam. I mean, there is a sequence that is so much of that style. You know, men that were doing comedic, satirical work. I don't know how you could look at that sequence and not know that this movie was supposed to be a comedy on some level. Hell, that that even builds up to a cameo by Terry Gilliam, damn it. Yeah. Seriously, we are going to get back to this movie because it is there's so much to talk about here. And I, I maintain it is so gloriously over the top and ridiculous that I have to kind of love it. I, yeah. I just, I don't know. I mean, I'm downright of this opinion that we're unwilling to look at movies for what they are. That's why I think part of the problem, too, is is everybody's looking at every movie with the same lens. Have you noticed that? Like, everybody's reviewing every movie on the same tier. Yeah. You know who didn't do that? Who, like, loudly told people, don't do that? 
and who was legendary for only reviewing movies for what they intended to do and nothing more was Roger Ebert. Yeah. I, ugh. I, I, I'm, I'm sickened at the thought that we don't have Ebert still working because that was something that he did beautifully was he would review movies only on the level of what did they try to be. So if a movie tried to be serious, he reviewed it as a serious film. If it tried to be a joke, he reviewed it as a joke. And that was it. That was all he ever tried to do. And that's, that's nice. Yeah. It resulted in a good... It resulted in good review work. It's why Ebert was Ebert. It was why he gave good reviews to movies like Hellboy, even though... Well, okay, Hellboy's actually a good movie. That doesn't count. I, I can't go anywhere with that because Hellboy's awesome. But, like... You know, he gave negative reviews to... He, he At one point he was asked because he'd given a negative review to some to um, The Life Aquatic and a positive review to The Stepford Wives. And someone was like, but, but The Life Aquatic is a better movie. And he was like, yes, it is a better movie. But it's not as good at being what it wants to be. And The Stepford Wives was better at being what it wanted to be. I'm going to argue that that's kind of iffy. Um, I think that's a mixed movie for me. Although I have spoken highly of it in the past, uh, and I still do stand by that. It's just an, it's an uneven film, but it has so much worth recommending that I still recommend it. Uh, that's just it. That's the point. I don't know. I mean, that's that's what makes me angry. Yeah, we, uh, before, we, before we exit this, we do need to... Uh, I'm looking down Lexie Alexander's feed... Because she, uh, she said something a few days ago. Yeah, she made the argument that critics should be tested in their genres. That they should be yeah. tested and they should be licensed. And I, uh, and we made a promise to her that we would get that noted in the cast. So let's do that. Let's, let's, let's make sure to get that idea out there. Because when she suggested that, I thought that was absolutely dead on. I think it would be really useful for professional critics... To be licensed, to be able to show that yeah, you do understand what you're talking about, and I'm and I'm gonna break and I'm gonna break something to people that they don't want to hear. Armand White would pass that test. Yeah, I know we all want to say that he's an epic troll. I've come to realize Armand White reviews movies according to his taste. Because if, yeah. if you read his reviews, he's erudite as hell. Yeah, and I have read his Toy Story three review, and yeah, I. I would agree with that statement. I don't agree with the things that he says, but I believe that he believes them. Yeah. I don't think he's trying to troll. I think he truly believes what he believes. Which is, hey, genuine. There's nothing, like, I can't fault someone for being genuine. No, because that's just it. That's what's missing nowadays in so many reviews. That's another thing that I hate, is that need to, like, think what the group thinks. You know, to the point where I'll hear people... Where I'll hear people trash movies, and they'll say, "Well, this is such a bad movie," and I'm like, "Have you seen it?" No, but I've heard that it's bad. Okay, like for example, I'm only going to call the first two Transformers movies bad. Why? Because I've seen them. I won't call three and four bad. I'm sure they are probably bad, but I'm not going to review them. To, but I'm not going to watch them to find out. But I'm still not going to say that they're bad because. You know, I don't... That's just it. I mean, I'll tell you, a number of top critics would still keep their jobs. Um, Owen, Owen Gleiberman of Entertainment Weekly would absolutely hold on to his job. The man remains one of the... I've read his reviews for going on 20 years. He remains one of the best. 
Drew McWeeny at HitFix, who I've cited before, would keep his job. He continues to write just tremendous reviews. Um, by the way, he did a, an excellent pan recently of a, a horror movie that opened. That just was a blast to read. Mm-hmm. You know, um, a number of amateur critics could keep their jobs, could continue to say, can, could continue to be viewed. Um, as I said, I think Matthew Buck would absolutely pass that test with flying colors. I think uh, I think my friend uh, Ryan Cullen, uh, whose reviews I've cited before, would keep his big time. He continues to do great work. I continue uh, to back him. He continues to be awesome. Yeah. I think we would pass that test. I I certainly hope so. I think we strive to. That said, to, to bring this back around to the start of it, I don't know Doug Walker would. I don't know that he would, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I, I, I do have to briefly note, I think the moment that I first started to feel like there was something askew with the guy was when I heard his review of Easy A, and he kind of trashed it for political reasons. And, look, I don't have anything against conservatism um, or liberalism or anything. I don't, you know, believe what you want to believe politically, and I'm not going to mind that. I, I mean, there are going to be some issues where I'm going to disagree with you, and I'm going to tell you that I disagree with you. But, I mean, you know, it's it's okay to, be, to, to not have the same views that I have. But, my word, um, my word how uh, Walker tore into this movie for reasons that made no sense to me. Hmm. I, I really did not care for Walker's review of that film because I think he missed the point. Yeah. Like, he kind of only reviewed it on political grounds, and I didn't like that. Yeah. Uh, by the way, have you seen Easy A? I haven't yet. I heard it's... Uh, I hear it's good. It's pretty tremendous. It's pretty. It's it's really something special. Um, Emma Stone, right? Stone and oh yeah, I gotta see it. <laughs> yeah, and she absolutely dominant. I mean, she just she comes out of that movie just. It's it's probably it's one of her best performances. That's the thing. Like we we just watched Sucker Punch, and I no word on which cast is coming first. That one or. This one, probably that one, because I have a two-day deadline to get out. But, but you know, I didn't, like, even though we were all going to sit down and basically blast the film, I didn't want to go in with that. I kind of wanted to go in and say, okay, I liked Watchmen, I liked Man of Steel, let's see what's going on here. And, well, it failed. Like, it just straight up, that's it, it failed. I knew too much about it to be able to say that i thought it was that i had any hope i just i knew too much walking in but all the same if there were things about it like for example i thought oscar isaac gave an excellent performance Mm -hmm. Uh, i thought he was genuinely threatening and i thought he was genuinely intimidating Uh, i would like to watch him in something where he had something else to do i'm looking forward to the fact that he's going to be apocalypse in uh, the next x-men movie yeah he's you see he's, he's probably gonna make great villain there but we're we're I don't think we're ever going to be done with Sucker Punch. No, no. But I mean, just that's like, just it. Just like we're never done with Scott Pilgrim. Mm-mm. But that's just it. I I mean, I've walked into movies that I thought were going to be bad that turned out to be great. I I've done that. Expectations can be wrong. I didn't even want to see Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. I've seen all three films in theaters. Yeah. You know, I love that series. I have a friend who absolutely did not want to watch Lord of the Rings and watched the first one on video and sat beside me when I watched the third one on opening day. Yeah. 
you know, you, you, you do have to have an open mind. And I feel like a lot of critics nowadays set their minds to what they expect. I'll say this. M. Night Shyamalan has had a terrible run of movies in the last decade. I would still like The Visit to turn out to be good. I, I would still like that to be the case. I would still, I still hold out hope. Yeah. Is his TV show up and running? Yeah, it's gotten very good reviews. It's been very well received. Um, you know, I try to keep an open mind, and I feel like so many critics nowadays don't do that. They don't, they don't give movies a chance. They decide what they're going to, you know. <sighs> yeah, they decide going in what's going to, how it's going to be. Without the, without even knowing the possibility that it could be otherwise, and I, I don't like this. I'm not okay with this. I think that helps create the Seltzerbergization of criticism that we've gotten, because I think so many critics, and we're really, I think, kind of overlooking what I think is the big issue in film criticism today. Let's address something that breaks my heart because it affects me on a personal level. The death of print media is really helping to do this too. Yeah, because those people actually got paid to do that. Like, they they had to go through a screening process, basically. Mm -hmm. And when you're having to earn money to do it, you have a certain amount of greater work. I'm not going to say that every print critic is of quality, but I feel like the print critics have a higher level than just the online critics. Yeah. There is a more reliable element to that. Um, like, the, the print critics are less likely to, let's say sexist racist biases seep in which i cannot say for the online critics yeah oh boy i cannot say that again if the, the critics that i've listed above i don't believe hold those things i'm just i'm not okay with that i'm not okay with people letting their biases seep in that's the issue that i have is seeing like with print critics the biases were less obvious now there is another there is a critic that i read regularly who has a terrible bias that bothers me and that's why I don't read the guy's stuff very often. You know, it's it's a bias that still exists in, in the print world. So it's not that it's impossible to have biases there, but it's just, it's frustrating to me that that's what's dominated, you know? That's the issue that I have, is that the, is that the biases dominate, ultimately. That's that that's kind of my thoughts on the bias, on, on the bias issue, is that print critics didn't have that. Print critics also had editors who would step in and say, hey, you need to take another pass at this. That's just it. So much of film criticism today has become unprofessional. Mm -hmm. It's become typo-riddled, unprofessional, poorly written garbage. Mm -hmm. If it's if it's in print, you know, it's just become and it's become erased for who can get the review out first. Right. That's why the trades still remain the, the place to trust on critics because they have editors. But without editors, this is what criticism is becoming. It bothers me. And it's really starting to collapse under its own weight. Yeah, because there's too much criticism out there. there. There's too much. There's too many people who can hang their shingle and get taken as seriously as Daily Variety. Ugh, it's just, it's too much. There's too much out there. And I wish it wasn't so. That's pretty much all I have to say on it. <laughs> I, I am going to, I think, close with some advice for people on where to find good criticism. First of all, I'm going to say, listen to podcasts if you get the chance. I feel like podcasts have a greater hit count in terms of actual criticism because they have to... A review can be d digested in print in five minutes. A video review is often ex an excuse for stand-up comedy. Podcasts tend to be different. Podcasts on film tend to be where people have genuine discussions about film. I look to the podcast for hope. 
And I feel like there's hope for that. Yeah, and we have um, plenty of fellow podcasts that we'd like to hype at this moment. Uh, for one, No Totally. No uh, Totally. It's a good one. I enjoyed uh, I, I enjoyed uh, Bubble Wheat's cast that I was on. Um, I had a good time with that. Um, that was the, and and uh, I listened to the back archives. That was some good stuff. Uh, I think that was good. Um, I continue to love a Dread Central's work. Um, I continue to feel like a lot of these casts. Uh, the projection booth continues to be tremendous. There are tremendous casts out there. If you look, you can find them. So yeah, list look to the podcast revolution. But oh yeah, but look to the people who had a, a good long archive. A good archive will start to get you there. So, yeah. Yeah. So, that's one that I, I recommend. Rotten Tomatoes continues to, I think, be your best... They're, they're at least your best gate, gatekeeper for reviewers. Because reviewers yeah. have to meet certain criteria to be on that site. Not anybody can go on that site. And a Rotten Tomatoes rating continues to be, I think, the thing to look at as at least your best guide. They can be wrong. I feel like the Rotten Tomatoes score right now on Magic Mike XXL is way too low. Yeah. What is I, that? The RT score on it is 65. Yeah. Yeah, see, the good thing about Rotten Tomatoes is that uh, if you if you look at it enough and if you use it enough, you can make your own personal gauge for uh, what that is. Like, my personal gauge is if it's 50% or up, there's there's a chance I might like it. You know, sometimes I like the ones that are low scored. The room has like 30%. The room defies uh, explanation, uh, as does Miami Connection. Yeah. Like, there are anomalies. And maybe your personal gauge is if it's like 70% or up, then you might like it. But, you know, that's, that's the great thing about that site. Uh, 60% tends to be my bar of, uh, okay, which... I should note, technically speaking, Magic Mike XXL is, it is fresh, technically speaking. I just think it could probably be at least 10 to 15% more. Um, like, okay, right now, Inside Out is at 98%. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. I, oh, I loved, I loved Inside Out. And it reminds me, I need to get a review on that up soon. But okay, you see, that's the, the point that we're making, though, is those are movies where, but Rotten Tomatoes continues to be your best gatekeeper. Because they're an aggregator, and because they, pro you do have to meet certain criteria. You know, if you have friends whose taste in movies you trust, that's really vital. Yes. That's very vital. I'm looking at this guy over here. I try, I try. And I, and I look back <laughs> at you. I look back at you. We listen to each other's tastes. We pay attention to that. Pay, that's the whole genesis of this cast, is that... The two of us have similar tastes, and so we worked that in, you know. That's that's what you need. Develop and develop your own compass. If just because groupthink says that a movie is great doesn't mean that you have to think that. Just because groupthink says that Michael Bay is a terrible director doesn't automatically mean that he is, and he's really kind of not, frankly. Yeah. Yeah, he's 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 a very competent movie maker. He just tends to make shit movies but he can make a great movie um he recently made pain, uh, and gain. pain and gain was awesome did you have you ever watched that i haven't watched it yet but i really want to it's on netflix and it's wonderful pain and gain is 
it's it's just great. It's just yeah, it's just great. I mean, that's just really all that I have to say about that movie is it's great. So, you know, but but again, the 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 public view is that Michael Bay sucks. So we have to keep going with that idea that well, Michael Bay sucks, and so that's what the public must think. You know, develop your own opinions. Be willing to say something like, "Gladiator is still the one of the worst." Best picture winners that I've ever seen, which is my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, be willing to say things like Gladiator, American Beauty, and Crash are all pretty terrible films, and Crash is, in fact, one of the worst movies I've seen in a good many years. It's easily the one of the worst movies I've seen in theaters in the last decade. It's not the worst, but it's up there. Mm-hmm. See, that's what I'm saying. Don't be afraid to go against the grain, although Crash is pretty widely hated, so that's not really going against the grain. Yeah. Think for yourself. That's what we're telling you to do. Just because all of the just because the Doug Walkers and Cinema Sins and all that are telling you that's what you should think, don't think you have to think that. Yeah. Don't even listen to us. You know? <laughs> I mean, yeah, listen to us, but don't, you know. Don't base your opinion off us. I mean, you know. I want to disagree with people. Uh, I'm a Man of Steel fan who has no problem listening to people who didn't love it. Yeah. Be yourself. That's what criticism is about. One more recent example is, wow, Minions is getting uh, horrible backlash. Mm-hmm. Uh, I blame that on the advertising just because it's goddamn everywhere. Yeah, I've heard the film itself is fine. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the film has like sixty something. It was it was in the yeah it was in the seventies there for a while. It's like you know that's really not too bad. No, but again, we're just urging people think for yourself and don't don't pare it back. I mean, you know, I mentioned Ebert. I'm a huge fan of his uh, work. I can still think of at least twenty reviews where I disagreed violently with the man. Just just because he said it didn't mean that I had to parrot it back. I mean, he was wrong about the wedding singer big time. And one of the one of the things I like about going back to Red Letter Media, half in the bag, uh, is yeah, they're kind of doing characters, but you know, in the in the end, their real opinions do come out on the films. And I I disagree with them like at least half the time, but you know, I still I still like listening to their opinions just because they do make some good points. And that's what criticism has to be. Criticism has to be being able to disagree with someone and enjoying having the disagreement. Yeah. Because I know a number of you that love Spring Breakers, and believe me, at some point I'm going to talk about it on at length on this cast, and I'm going to make a lot of you very angry. That means I'm also going to have to watch it. That I'm. That's kind of almost why I'm not wanting you to watch it, to have to discuss it. Understood. It's so very not good. But that's the point that we're trying to make, is think for yourself. Think for yourself. I hope there's light for criticism. I don't like that I've been this negative about film criticism. I wish things were better, is what it comes down to. At some point, it will get to a point of uh, saturation, and there will have to be some culling. I think um, I think it'll come around, honestly. I think it will. It's just going to take. It's just going to take time. But um, you can find us on our directly on our feed at thefilmroom.podbean.com. 
you can email us at filmroompodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on our Twitters at filmroomcast. Uh, I am at primitive man PRD. Austin is at untitled user. You can find us on our Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash the filmroom. And of course, well, you know where to find our Patreon because, well, you're listening. You're patrons. <laughs> But just in case you're listening after the window has expired and you're on a regular feed, you can find that at patreon.com slash thefilmroom, and you can support us there, and we appreciate you. And we must we must absolutely be sure to thank our patrons. Yes, yes. Thank you guys so much. It means so much that you uh, have given this much support. Um, it helps us out a lot, and it helps us grow. Yeah. Sheila and uh, Daisy, thanks. Yes, absolutely. And uh, we will chime in next time. Yeah, see you next time. When I was a kid, I saved up all my dough So I could buy C-3PO Put Mentos in my Diet Coke In the backseat of the bus When I was a kid, I ate SpaghettiOs Played laser tag and G.I. Joes And if you vowed no girls allowed Then you could join the club When I was a kid, I spent my Saturdays Blowing on Nintendo games It's unbelievable, this is as good as it gets It's unbelievable, don't know what's gonna happen next It's unbelievable, you haven't seen nothing yet It's unbelievable, it's unbelievable When I was a kid I dreamed of power wheels Stayed up late watching action films And I won't lie, my friends and I were too legit to quit When I was a kid I lived for climbing trees Ate Dr. Pepper jelly beans was how real the raptors looked When I was a kid, I still had VHS Watch Fresh Prince and Jazzy Jets Like Morris on the first cell phone In many ways, the work of a critic is easy We risk very little Yet enjoy a position over those who offer up their work And their selves to our judgment We thrive on negative criticism Which is fun to write and to read But the bitter truth we critics must face is that in the grand scheme of things, the average piece of junk is probably more meaningful than our criticism designating it so. But there are times when a critic truly risks something, and that is in the discovery and defense of the new. The world is often unkind to new talent, new creations. The new needs friends.